Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our text this morning is about the birth of the church. In the Gospel of John, as you will recall, it begins with this towering statement that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So there's this statement, this phenomenal Christological statement about the nature of Jesus. And and we have this very huge declaration about the nature of the of the person of, of, of Christ, then it abruptly transitions to John the Baptist down by the Jordan and sees this man walking up with Birkenstocks on and says he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Dusty, hot, normal, real people, and among them is Jesus. And Jesus begins to call his disciples. He begins to call those who will follow him. Two of them who are with John are Andrew and his brother Peter. And we're going to pick it up just beyond their call with the subsequent calls of Philip and Nathaniel. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. And he said, I tell you the truth, you will see all of heaven open, the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. David Brooks writes about commitment. And he says, the committed life is a heroic quest in which the ego is sacrificed for the sake of a relationship. In the ethos of commitment, each person freely chooses to take on responsibility for others 
and becomes dependent upon others in order to do something larger. People don't become lovely by loving themselves. They become lovely by loving others and fulfilling those vows and carrying that load. All the dignity and gravity of life is in this surrender. The surrender of commitment. Of commitment to others, to one another. So when Jesus calls these gentlemen and they come and they begin this process of giving their lives, of committing themselves, there is, there must be some sort of feedback loop. More than just who Jesus is, as, as magnificent as this man is, he has not fully revealed himself for his, for his full identity. And yet there is something that is, that is captivating when we acknowledge that in giving of ourselves, in, in committing ourselves, in connecting ourselves, therein do we find some sort of a deep fulfillment. Therein do we find some sort of a, some sort of a deep connectedness with others. So Jesus puts out his call to the disciples, one after another. And one after another, they follow. They just come along. And then there's this gentleman, Nathaniel. Philip, who is the third called, goes to Nathaniel and he says, We found the guy. This is the one. This is the one that. that the prophets spoke of. This is the one that the entire Old Testament is, is looking toward. This is the one. So Nathaniel finds out a little more. Philip says, it's Jesus, son of the Joseph the carpenter from, from Nazareth. And of course he, he says, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This rather sardonic comment that he makes. Can anything good come from there? Well, I'll, so Philip says, well, just, just come and see. So he agrees to do it. Jesus sees him coming. And he makes an interesting statement. Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Which is like saying, Below, behold, a Jacob in whom there is no Jacob. Remember the story of Jacob and Jacob's ladder? We sang that song in Sunday school where Jacob was confronted by God just before he was to reconnect with his brother Esau after robbing the birthright from his brother. Jacob was a supplanter. Jacob was a deceiver. One of the wonderful things about the scriptures is, you know, the, the regular people never get out of it with their skin. They, the reality of their lives gets completely laid, be, laid bare before everyone. But Jesus says, here's a Jacob in whom there is no Jacob. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He's got the right stuff. And he perhaps says that because he knows what, what Nathaniel said. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What good can this guy be? 
And I think Jesus' response is a little bit of the same kind of humor, a subtle sort of a Jacob in whom there is no Jacob, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And so they go, they have this little bit of, of back and forth and Nathaniel's eyes are opened because he came and he did what Philip said. He came and saw. Come and see was the invitation given time and again. Come and see. You remember the story of Thomas, the doubter. He said, I will not believe until I see. And Jesus, when he meets him, the risen Lord meets him and he says to him, see my hands and see my side. Come and see. In other words, this is not by persuasion. This is not by argumentation. This is not some kind of arriving at an awareness of the nature of who Jesus is by some set of arguments or, or some manner in which one is convinced. They simply come and observe. They come and see. And it's this way with the church. One of the preliminary principles of the Reformed faith is that the church is to be the place that is the visible expression, the visible expression of the kingdom of God in the world. The church, yeah. Very human institution. It's just us folks. And, and the invitation to come even into the church should be one in which our intent is twofold. One, that they would come and have a sense of the presence of Christ, but also have, have a, a profound sense that somehow, some way, the kingdom of God is intersecting. When Jesus made this declaration that the angels of heaven will be ascending and descending upon him, he is the, the bridge between heaven and earth. He is the, the gap closer. He is the one who shows just how evident is the reality of the kingdom. I think it was Bill Bright many years ago, 60 or so years ago, who before he came up with the four spiritual laws and campus crusade and all of that, he was sitting down with some, someone at a Denny's coffee shop and, and um, he drew this little illustration on a napkin because this gentleman was simply asking about Jesus and who he was and, and Bill Bright just pulled out a napkin and just showed with stick figures who he was or who, he, who we are and then God and then drew a line and put over that Jesus. That we have access to God through the person of Christ. So simple, 
the gap closer, the one who mediates between heaven and earth. And if we can have people come and see Jesus here, they will have a sense of the kingdom of God. They'll have a sense that God is present. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. That God is real, God is present. So it is that church, as it was initiated by Christ in these open day, opening days coming up out of the Jordan River, should be a place where we can say to, to anyone, say to our friends, well, just come and see. Check it out. Come and see for yourself. And when church fails to be what God intends, and people will come, and they won't come back. Now, obviously, we live in the 21st century where we've had a, we've had a whole generation now of entertainment churches, and people come, and they, they, they may have a sense of, I love the music, or I love this, or I love that. And, but that's not really what it's about. It's about whether or not they come and have a sense of the presence of God. If that, if that bridge has been gapped, if that chasm has been closed by the reality of who Jesus is. I probably read something in the neighborhood of 20 sermons a week so that I can be aware of what's out there. And all I can say is, is when I read sermons that are political in their nature, and they're talking about this or that issue from the pulpit, or when the sermons are essentially kind of a self-help sort of thing or anything other than proclaiming and, and laying out the reality of who Jesus is in one way or another over time, where the church is rightly doing what it's called to do, and that is the the presentation of the word, the presentation of sacraments, doing that in the course of worship. When the church fails and somebody says, well, come and see, they'll come and see and then they won't come back. It's not what they wanted to see. You don't come here to hear me talk about global warming or some other hot topic. We want to hear about Jesus. We want to hear about God incarnate. Better put, we need to hear about the reality of God. And so God's children demonstrate and show evidence of who Jesus is so that all we ever have to say to one another or to others, well, just, just come and see. Come and see. So as you know, I've, I've had the privilege of knowing some dear friends who are atheists. It's what I call lousy atheists because they were pretty good guys. They weren't the typical angry types. <laughs> and one Christmas, I simply said, well, you know, you guys grew up and 
in the church and, and you listen to all the music and you have Christmas hymns and come join us on Christmas Eve. Just come and see. Come and see. And they did. And they were sitting right over here on Christmas Eve. And they were enjoying the service. And at the end of the service, we do this thing with candles. There might be some wax on the chair in front of you. We do this thing with candles at the end of the service. And here are my atheist friends and their spouses um, looking at one another. They didn't have candles. And we're looking at each other. And then they looked up. And here's, here's Rick Scott giving them candles. And after the service, not just because of that simple little act of service and awareness of Rick to their need, but because of something that happens when God's people come together to worship. I saw them downstairs outside after the service and they had their look, that look on their face. They came to see and they saw. Now they would never admit it to me because of the nature of our breakfast, but they saw. And when one of those dear brothers was close to the end of his life and I walked in and saw him in hospice, I saw the same look on his face. That look this time I had come to bring the church to him. And that, that look on his face that he could see. And I prayed with him. And somehow he saw. Simply because of an invitation to come and see. So that is the invitation to all of us before our Lord. And that is that we come and see and that we as God's children do everything we can to make sure that God is visible here and wherever we are. Will you join me in prayer? And may it be, O oh Lord, that our lives individually and collectively, despite our shortcomings and failings, that our lives evidence your presence, your power, and the very kingdom itself to others. We ask it in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.